you have to leave. Welcome to Coping with Ghosting, the show that provides hope, healing, and understanding for anyone who has been ghosted. I'm Greta, and today I'm talking food and mood with one of my favorite health experts, Becca Gutstadt. And I promise we will dive into how food relates to ghosting. But before that, Becca, could you please share a little bit about yourself and what you do? Hi, Greta. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. So I'm Becca and I am a longtime food lover. And I also come from a background of gymnastics and a lot of physical activity. And so along the way, I have been constantly kind of battling, you know, my love for both physical activity and fitness and health, and then also my love for food. And so in the past couple of years, I've been able to really merge those two and find a way of, you know, sustaining a really active physical lifestyle while also eating food that really fully nourish me and feel so satisfying and delicious to eat that they're health foods and also comfort delicious foods. And so I just love to share that with people. That's great. And I should share that the way we met was through an online cooking class. Becca was my teacher and I had the best time ever cooking delicious meals in a virtual vibrant community full of like-minded people who really cared about what they put into their body. And I just want to say thank you so much for that experience. It was so much fun. Oh, you're so welcome. That was Yes, a highlight of COVID for me. <laughs> for sharing sure. those sharing those recipes and helping, you know, facilitate people learning in the kitchen about, you know, how to how to use plant-based ingredients to to create, you know, something more than just a salad, right? People think that mm-hmm. vegetables are just steamed broccoli on a plate or a salad with iceberg lettuce, but it's just a vast world of comforting, delicious, rich foods. And it was such a pleasure to share that with people. Yeah. So let's dive into my first question. It is how and why does food influence mood? That's such a great question. And there's so much depth to it. So I think, first of all, it's important to recognize that food affects everything that our bodies do. I think there's this kind of disconnect in our society where we just kind of don't think about the things that we're putting into our, into our bodies as if they were to affect what's going on underneath the surface and really everything that our bodies are capable of doing and do for us is affected and impacted by the foods that we eat um, and the nutrients that we're consuming. So I am by no means a neuroscientist or chemist, but it's all, when it comes to, to food and mood, it's a lot of it is related to the food's ability to help our brain produce chemicals that can help to boost our mood. Things like dopamine, serotonin, norepinephrine, you know, things like that, which can in in turn affect the way that we feel. So again, I don't want to get too much into the, the chemistry of it, but there is definitely a lot of research that supports a whole food, plant-based, you know, Mediterranean style diet to help alleviate symptoms of depression and help to boost mood. You know, there's just so many antioxidants in those foods and then combined with complex carbohydrates, which can help to even your blood sugar levels so that you're not getting that, you know, spike in blood sugar where you feel like all energized and then the immediate crash afterwards where you don't feel 
as energized and maybe, you know, not as, not as happy. So foods that are rich in fiber are going to be really, you know, really beneficial, just keeping you full longer, keeping you feeling satisfied, keeping your blood sugar levels even. You mentioned the Mediterranean diet, and I was wondering if you could explain what that is. Yeah, absolutely. So the Mediterranean diet is rich in fruits and vegetables, and then also things like um, nuts and legumes. So, you know, like a lot of beans and things like that. And then things that are high in, in healthy fats. So olive oil, fatty fish, or just seafood in general, things that have omega-3 fatty acids in them. So really just to kind of summarize it, it's basically a lot of whole foods. So foods in their whole form, you know, rather than processing whatever ingredient it may be, the Mediterranean diet encourages to eat these foods in their, in their most whole form, you know, the way that they would grow out of the ground or be harvested in nature. So there's not been a lot of processing to them. And I think that's been found to be, you know, across the board, the healthiest way to eat is to focus on whole foods rather than processed. And I love that diet myself. I actually used to work at a resort that had that diet for all the guests and it was divine. (laughs) So, yeah. And I know that people who eat that way tend to live longer. If um, anybody's interested, you could look up the blue zone diet and learn a little bit more about the Mediterranean diet that way. So thank you for sharing all that information. I love it. Yeah, absolutely. For people who have been ghosted, which is just so shocking and horrible, what would you recommend that people eat? So I just want to kind of frame this by saying that in the past, when I've experienced trauma, I've been so upset that I could barely eat. I just wasn't even hungry. And on the other end of the spectrum, I've eaten all my feelings and craved junk food and, and eaten my way through tons of Ben and Jerry's just to kind of numb the pain. And so this all leads up to my question of what types of food would you recommend people eat after going through something like this? Yeah, that's a really great question. And another one that I could talk forever about. So I think, like you said, there are some different reactions to emotional trauma. I think food aside, it's really important in those moments to just be present with your emotions and just give yourself space to experience them. So food can definitely be a multifaceted relationship, you know, like it's definitely something we need to nourish our bodies, but then there's also the emotional component to it and it can serve, you know, different purposes for us. But I think what I'd like to communicate above and, you know, above everything is that it's important to just tune into your body and, and, and listen to what it needs. If you do feel like eating, ideally, foods that are rich in vitamins and minerals and fiber, kind of like what I touched on before, you know, are going to nourish you physically and in the long run, emotionally, because you'll won't be experiencing those, you know, those crashes and the dips in the blood sugar and whatnot. But I know that sometimes you just, 
crave comfort food. Like you just want a big bowl of, you know, big warm hug in a bowl. And because this is such a acute period of time, what's most important is that you are gentle with yourself. So if you have a day where you just eat everything in your house and then you order takeout and then you, you know, you just one of those days, it's okay. It's just one day and, or two days or a week, or, you know, it's not going to be forever. So adding a layer of guilt and shame and additional negativity to what you're already experiencing is only going to make things worse for you. It's not going to help you move past and cope with the actual emotions that are present from being ghosted and the trauma that you've experienced. There's so many things that you just said that I want to talk about. So (laughs) (laughs) the first is really, I agree a hundred percent, just really feeling your emotions and letting them pass through you and honoring the way you're feeling and giving yourself space that's away from food to really go through that. So if you need to cry while you're eating a bowl of pasta, (laughs) that's okay. But maybe put the fork down and, and just take some time to really breathe and feel what you're going through. And then you also mentioned tuning into your body and really listening to what it wants. And I just remember a period of time in my life when I couldn't identify what that was. And that was so hard for me and so annoying because everybody said like, tune into your body. So do you have any tips on how to do that? Maybe, maybe it was me. Maybe I just wasn't quiet enough or, or didn't sit still and like meditate on it. I don't know. What, what would you suggest for that? Yeah. I mean, it makes a lot of sense that it was hard. It's not an easy thing to do, right? Our bodies are giving us a lot of different signals at any given point in the day. And especially when you have an intense emotional experience happening on top of it. So I think it takes practice. I think what I would say is just start by taking a couple of deep breaths and just give yourself a couple of moments of mindfulness. It doesn't need to be like a full-on meditation, you know, it can just be, yeah, close your eyes for a minute and count to three or, you know, take three deep breaths just to slow your heart rate and have your brain quiet just for a moment. Another thing that, that could work really well, that's, you know, more of a kind of a concrete option is to keep a, you know, mindful eating journal. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you can before, during and after every meal or snack, you know, just jot down how you're feeling. What's, what's present for you right now? What are you experiencing? Are you, are you stressed? Are you sad? And more so than, than just one emotion, try to dive in a little bit deeper. I'm feeling sad because this, this, and this, and these are, see how deep you can go and really uncover what's going on for you. And then if you still want to reach for that bowl of pasta, go for it. So it's okay. But yeah, just exploring more, being curious about what is happening and trying to step away just a little bit to be able to get some perspective on, on the experience that you're having. I love the compassion piece of this advice because you are giving everybody permission to have a bad day, a bad week. (laughs) If you need to take a break from eating a specific food plan that you're on because you've been ghosted. That's totally okay. Just treating yourself well is the most important thing. And if your body just doesn't feel like eating or needs 
or if you're only craving, I don't know, chips and salsa only, then, then go for it. And it's okay. Just take it one day at a time. Absolutely. Greta, that's such a important message. I think across the board, ghosting for sure, you know, any, any emotional experience, but really in general, you know, I think our diet mentality and our society pairs guilt and shame along with any diet or way of eating that we try on. And it's just not a recipe for success. Eating should be enjoyable. It should be, it's a part of life. It's how we connect socially. A lot of the time, it's how we experience different cultures. It's just, there's so much wrapped in, wrapped up in it. And I think that allowing for flexibility while trying to do your best or, you know, make healthy choices as much of the time as possible is what's really going to allow for any way of eating to be sustainable. If you're constantly trying to deprive yourself and say, you know, no chips and salsa ever again for me, then when you do want the chips and salsa and you reach for a handful of them, you're going to feel that guilt and shame feeling and spiral potentially into a a worse place with food rather than just saying, yeah, I'm going to have a a handful of chips and salsa or a bag of chips and salsa, (laughs) give whatever the situation is, you know, and then move forward and say, okay, well, that was that. And and tomorrow's a new day. And I'm going to just continue eating healthfully. That is all really incredible advice. I was just wondering if you have any tips for people who feel like they're out of control when they're eating and how they can feel like they're a little bit more in control of how much they're eating and their portion sizes and all of that. I mean, one thing that you taught me, which it's so obvious and like, yet I don't know why I never did this is after our cooking classes, the food was so good. And I just felt like, Oh, it's so healthy. I can eat as much of this as I want, but really you later told me, okay, well, there's a serving size on on the recipe itself. And maybe you could just eat according to that. And I started just dividing the food into sections after I cooked a big batch of batch of it. Let's say we did a rice stir fry or something like that. And then I would have it all neatly sectioned out for each meal for the week. And that felt really great. So for people who are feeling out of control uh, in terms of how much they're eating, what in addition to the journal, would you recommend for them? So I think that everybody's different, right? And I think that that binge eating or, you know, eating overeating looks different for everybody. And there can be those times where you just literally you can't stop and you don't care what it is that you're eating. It doesn't really matter. And it doesn't, you know, so there's those, those, you know, incidences. And again, I think that's where the compassion part is big, because if you're adding to that stress that you're already feeling, that's just going to make things harder. But if you're in the, maybe the next phase of that is just kind of like a little bit diluted where you feel like you can, you're still craving those comfort foods, but you can maybe make room for some more healthful choices. Um, I think a great option is to look at some ways of substituting some of the more calorie dense ingredients that may be in the dish that you're eating. So for example, you know, Greta mentioned a a rice stir fry, you know, if you were going to make like a, a fried rice, let's say, rather than using white rice, you could use 
brown rice or quinoa and even take it another step further and use half cauliflower rice so that you can still eat a huge bowl of warm, delicious, comforting food. But instead of having, you know, all of this fast digesting, simple carbohydrate as a base, you have a whole grain and then a vegetable as the base. And it's going to just nourish you and give you so many more nutrients than, than the white rice would. And you can still eat. I mean, in that case, you really can eat a lot of it because it's mostly going to be vegetables and wholesome foods. So that's usually, I feel like the best for me personally, you know, like that's what I'll do. If I, if I really just want a huge bowl of something, I'll try to, what I call bulk it up with as much vegetables, you know, sneak, sneak those vegetables in as much as you can, then you can really feel good about eating literally unlimited amount of it. And knowing that you're getting a lot of nutrients and you're not putting harmful ingredients into your body. You're making me hungry. (laughs) That sounds really good. Yeah. I love it. And that's, that's really why I love your recipes because they all taste incredible. And yet there's, there's vegetables everywhere and they're just kind of hidden. You don't see them. Those sneaky (laughs) vegetables. Yeah. I know. I love it. I love it. So for me, I always feel good when I eat three meals throughout the day and then snacks. And that's just me. I know that everybody has a whole different way of eating that works for them. And my biggest downfall is really sugar. I, I love it. I just want to eat it in between every single meal. And I wonder if you have any good suggestions for sugar substitutes, because I don't want to get that crash. So sugar is a, a tricky thing to navigate. So I think you know, as with a lot of food choices, there's going to be this good, better, best spectrum that I like to classify foods on. And so maybe with sugar, it's not good, but on the lower side of that spectrum would be, you know, your refined white sugar, right? The, the kind that just immediately turns into blood sugar. And it just gives you that quick spike of energy and, and whatnot that you're referring to. And then you know, as you kind of move up that scale on the other end of the spectrum would be natural sugar, right? Sugar that comes from fruit, natural sources, especially when it's eaten as intended to. So, so an apple, a whole apple that's, that you just eat as an apple is going to affect your blood sugar differently than just drinking a glass of apple juice. And that's because of the fiber that's in the apple. It helps to slow the absorption of the sugar that's in the apple as well. Um, But it can also, you know, it still obviously tastes sweet and can be satiating. So that would be ideal best case scenario that your sugar comes from fruits. Um, And then there's kind of like a, the middle of the line area where there's like maple syrup and honey and agave. And those are still going to give you a, a spike in blood sugar to some extent, but maybe not quite as drastically as the refined white sugar would. And then I would put artificial sweeteners probably at an even lower part on that spectrum than refined white sugar, um, because those are basically just chemicals and they can really affect your, the chemistry in your brain, making you crave things that are even more sweet. But the cool thing is that if you do start to 
cut down on the amount of sugar, sugary foods that you're eating, you know, sweet things that you're eating that are sweetened with refined sugars, your taste buds will start to change. So eventually you won't enjoy the taste of that super sweet, sugary flavor anymore. You'll more gravitate towards the natural sweeteners as those will start to kind of take the place of what you were craving before. And so it's kind of like the less you eat, the less you'll want to eat of it and your body will start to crave it less as well. So easier said than done, but just kind of a fun fact to kind of keep in mind if you're, if you're really thinking about trying to cut down on sugar. That's all really good advice. I wonder if there's anything else you'd like to share with the listeners about food and mood or ghosting, anything like that. I think my biggest message just kind of like I touched on at the beginning is just to really be gentle with yourself. I think that when you're going through something hard, we have the tendency to beat ourselves up so much about all these other things that are going on. And really what we need is compassion from ourselves. If you had a friend who was going through something traumatic or had just been ghosted, you wouldn't go to that friend and be like, I can't believe you just ate that. You would probably say, eat that. (laughs) You should, you know, take care of yourself right now. You, you need to look out for number one and, and just know that it will pass just like emotions do it. They come in waves and just be present with those emotions and know that there is another side to them. And there is light at the end of the tunnel. I love everything you just said. Thank you. How can listeners connect with you? Yeah. So my business is called good stuff nutrition. So you can email me at goodstuffnutrition at gmail.com. I also have a website, which is goodstuffnutrition.com. And also Instagram is at goodstuffnutrition. So anything good stuff nutrition pretty much will get to me. Thank you so much for being here. This has been such a great conversation. Oh, thank you so much, Greta. This was great. I'm so happy to share. And listeners, be sure to remember when you are ghosted, you have more time to connect with yourself and people who have stellar communication skills. You deserve the best. And one last thing, if you haven't been to my website, copingwithghosting.com, I invite you to do so today. There you will find a free guide, six texts to send over to your ghost, a free coping with ghosting guide, a ghosting dictionary, and you can learn more about my services and the new support group. I hope to connect with you soon. You just-